Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader, and we're continuing our Christmas series where we're talking about love incarnate. You know, in ancient Israel, every devout Jew would start and end every day with the same prayer. Now, we have it in our modern Bibles in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. It's called the Shema of Israel. And it comes from the very first word of the prayer, which is hear, or Shema in Hebrew. Uh, let me read it to you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in Mark chapter 12 that when Jesus is asked the question, what's the greatest commandment, he quotes the Shema. Now, that's where he goes when he explains the greatest commandment. Now, it's a little bit different the way that Jesus says it. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in Mark 12, 30, he says it this way, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Do you notice there's more to the list that Jesus gives than we have in Deuteronomy? Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus is saying the Deuteronomy text was wrong. What he's doing is he's defining it more clearly. So, notice, first of all, it says here in Mark 12.30, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But in Deuteronomy 6.5, it says heart, soul, and strength. So, which one is added, if you will. Well, the mind is added in Mark chapter 12. It's not listed in Deuteronomy 6.5, but the reason for that is not because Jesus is adding something that's not there. Instead, he's defining something more clearly. You see, a Hebrew would have understood the heart to encompass both feelings, emotions, experiences, desires, as well as thoughts, intellects, decisions. For them, the heart encompassed both of those. And so to separate heart and mind was not to define it as something separate, but to more fully define what's encompassed in the word heart. Now, what I want to focus on today is the words heart and soul heart and soul. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll look more in depth at mind and strength and loving your neighbor. But what about heart and soul? Why are the Israelites told to love the Lord their God with all of their heart and with all of their soul? These two things are not the same in scripture, although they're usually mentioned together, especially in Deuteronomy. So I just shared with you from Deuteronomy, but throughout the book of Deuteronomy, we have heart and soul as requirements for obedience. In the Shema, it says heart, soul, and strength. But throughout the rest of the book, it just says heart and soul when it talks about obedience. So heart and soul encompasses the totality of the obedience God is requiring of Israel in Deuteronomy. Let me just survey it really quickly with you. We're just going to go through the book of Deuteronomy and look at all the places it mentions heart and soul. So Deuteronomy 4.29, it says that they are to seek God with all of their heart and all of your soul. In chapter 12, verse 12, in chapter 10, verse 12, it says they're to love him and to worship him with all their heart and their soul. 
He says in order to do this, they need to circumcise their hearts and not be stiff-necked. They need to have circumcised hearts, and they need to not be stiff-necked. That's also appealing to both their hearts they need to change, and their soul needs to change, no longer being stiff-necked. Chapter 11, 13 says, they're to love the Lord their God and worship him with all their heart and soul. Chapter 13, verse 3 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Chapter 26, 16 says, follow the statutes of the Lord carefully with all of your heart and soul. In Deuteronomy 30, he's talking about after their discipline for their failure and they return to him, he says in Deuteronomy 32, return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and all your soul. Chapter 30, verse 6 says, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. In verse 10, he says, you'll return to him with all your heart and soul. Let me point out something to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 16 and 17, Moses says this, I am com- for I am commanding you today to love, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow in worship to other gods and serve them... He, he goes on to explain the consequences of what will happen if their heart turns away. So it's interesting here, when he talks about turning away, he only talks about the heart. And when you look at Deuteronomy and you see how the interplay of heart and soul is explained, it would seem that the heart steers the soul. The soul follows the dictates of the heart. And that's why they're told they need to have a circumcised heart in chapter 10. And then it says the Lord is going to circumcise their heart in chapter 30. So what do these words mean? What do the words heart and soul mean in Scripture? The word heart in in um, ancient Hebrew is the is the Greek word is the Hebrew word lebab lebab. It literally it means the authority inside. It's the consciousness of man, and it's come from seeming comes from deep in his chest or his his heart. It encompasses his thoughts, his feelings, his experiences, and his decisions. It's the seat of his intellect. Um, the soul, on the other hand, that's the, that's the invisible part of the individual. It includes his entire person, his will and his sensibilities. So when, when Moses commands them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying the seat of your intellect, the totality of your being, and then strength is the physical side with all of its functions and capabilities. So everything that you are, that's what he's doing here. He's saying everything that you are needs to be for God, expressing love for God. You need to be loving him from the depth of your entire being, from the seat of your intellect, from all the depth of your emotions, with everything that you are. You need to love him. And I've explained to you that perhaps the reason that mind is added is to give a fuller description of what the heart encompasses. 
It would seem that uh, according to the New American Commentary, Mark and Luke fleshed out the original text by dividing the Hebrew term lebab into its proper semantic categories of emotion or feeling and mind, the intellect. So these are just the categories that the heart encompasses, both the feeling and the intellect. In Proverbs 4.23, it talks about the heart. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Out of the heart springs the issue of life. Everything that you do starts in your heart. Remember, that's what Jesus said. It's what comes from your heart that determines who you are that shows who you are. It's not what goes into a man, but it's what comes out of him that defiles him. In, in Greek, the, the word for heart is cardia, and it means the thoughts or feelings. Now, now the word for soul is, is not the same as heart. The soul is, the, it's the Hebrew word nefesh. Literally, it means a breathing creature, a creature that breathes through its, its throat. It, it means, um, abstractly, it means vitality. But when we look at the way that that soul is used in Scripture, it seems to be referring to the spirit. Now, there's a different word for spirit. There's the word pneuma, but they're used in a way interchangeably in Scripture. They're not distinguished, but they're used synonymously throughout Scripture. Let, let me give you some examples. In Genesis 35, 18... It talks about Rachel as she was dying, and it says, So it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So it's describing her death as the departure of her soul. Isaiah 53 describes Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, and it says this in, in verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. For this pouring out of the soul is a description of Jesus dying. And what did Jesus do when he died? He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It would seem those things are used interchangeably. We can see this really clearly in John 12. In John 12, 27, Jesus is praying, and he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus said in his final hour that his soul was troubled, that in chapter 13, listen to how John describes him. In John 13, 21, John says, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. So chapter 12 says he's troubled in his soul. Chapter 13 says he's troubled in his spirit. Seems to be describing the same thing. And so what does it mean then to love with heart and soul? Well, it means to follow the example of Jesus Christ. The love of his heart was expressed by a life of devotion to his father. What he did, he did constantly because it's what his father wanted him to do. His desire was his father's desire. He loved with his soul by not considering his life as something to hold on to. He gave it up. He gave it up to his 
Father. He was poured out. His soul was poured out on our behalf. He demonstrated loving God with all of his soul by presenting himself as a sacrifice to his Father. So that's what it means for us today. To love with heart and soul means that our desire is the Father's desire. And the only way that that can happen is through the promises of the new covenant. We need a new heart, and we need his law written on our mind to love with all of our heart. And so that's what he does. He writes it on our hearts. He puts it on our heart. He writes it on our mind. We know what we're supposed to do, and we want to do it. So to love with all of our heart means knowledge, but it also means desire. It means both of those. And so we have both of those because of the promises of the new covenant. And to love with all of your soul means to present your bodies, the living sacrifices, which is your reasonable act of worship. And you'll notice in all those passages I read in Deuteronomy that over and over again, he says, worship all, all of your heart and your soul. And remember, that's what God's seeking in John 4. He's seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit is synonymous with soul. All of your being, everything that you are, is poured out for him, offered to him as a living sacrifice. So remember Jesus' example. He came to live a perfect life. In living that perfect life, he loved with all of his heart and all of his soul. And now he tells us to follow him in love with heart and soul as well. Will you give your heart and soul to Jesus today? Live out the love you have from the inside out. Thank you so much for listening to me today.